made mention of the courting, the courtship of my wife and I uh, when we fell in love. And maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about that today. Um, But um, it's certainly a different dynamic when you're in love in terms of your motivation, in terms of why it is that you do what you do. But let's read Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patient, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. If you look at those verses from verses 2, verses 2, 3, you'll notice that uh, they're uh, very, very sharp commendation, positive words about the church of Ephesus, about their work and their labor and their patience. And how that they were able to recognize those that were liars and to use the spirit of discernment to ferret out false apostles. And uh, how they were patient for the sake of the name. They had labored and worked hard. So it's a lot of commendation from the words of Christ to the church in Ephesus. But then in verse 4 it says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So the words that were given to the church of Ephesus were very powerful, because on the one hand, the Lord gives commendation to this church for their labor. And for their consistency, for their sensitivity. But then he said, the, the problem is you've left your first love. And that's such a big problem <laughs> that if you don't repent and return to that original love, I'll remove your candlestick out of its place among the seven candlesticks. And uh, I want to talk today about uh, being in love and when you're truly in love and when this is the proper motivating element of our relationship with God. I'd like to say also I'm so glad to have Candace uh, visiting from uh, all the way from up in Vancouver, British Columbia. And uh, she's visited our church many, many years ago, but now she's come back and she ha- has offspring and she has an, a husband. And I believe is, is your husband's name Jacques? Is that correct? Jacques, Lord bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's Let's ask God to speak to us from His Word. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word that's forever settled in heaven. We thank You, Jesus, for Your promises, which are yea and amen and and forever settled. Jesus, we pray that You would minister to us today through Your Word. Anoint, Lord Jesus, my lips to speak, Lord God, my mind to process, and let me be an oracle or conduit through which Your Word can speak to Your body in Pasadena today. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated. Amen. Amen. I love to read the book of Psalms, uh, particularly the Psalms of David. And I love to listen to him talk about God. The way that he talks about God is Amazing. You can tell that there is a special connection and a very rich relationship. Let me read just a few of these psalms as the psalmist write about God. Psalms chapter 63, it says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands 
in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When David writes these psalms, it's amazing to recognize the connection that's there. And then Psalm 16:11, the psalmist says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. One thing I want you to recognize about the psalms is he was not... Uh, fulfilling a writing assignment for a English comp class. This was just something that was bubbling and pouring out of his heart, and he set pen to paper or quill to paper to uh, uh, illustrate, to write down, to establish how his feelings were towards his God. 28 and 7 of Psalms, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song I will praise him. It's not just lip service, but this is joy and excitement and fulfillment and satisfaction coming from this man's relationship with his God that he grew to know sitting on the backside of a pasture where nobody else was except a few lambs playing on his harp and connecting with his God and learning how to express love to him in song through poems and various expressions. Psalms 119 verse 11, it says, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. Uh, another translation of that same verse lets us know that he's not, when he talks about the testimonies, he's talking about God's law. He says, Thy law have I taken as an heritage forever, for they, thy laws, are the rejoicing of my heart. And what an awesome relationship that obviously David had with his God. And I think it's very fascinating at the end of this verse, it says that his law causes him to rejoice. Causes his heart to rejoice and he's inclined his heart to perform the laws and statutes of God. What a testimony and uh, what, what an awesome uh, uh, testimony of this man's relationship with God, that he loved him so much that all the poetic language, all the overflow of his passion was to express how much he loved being in the presence of his God and, and his tender mercies and his loving kindness. And not only that, but he was so in love with him that his law caused him to rejoice. His prohibitions, his restrictions, his commandments as to how to live life brought satisfaction and rejoicing to his heart. Isn't that an awesome testimony that David would have? But there's a problem. And the problem is, I don't always feel that way. I, I, you know, I could stand before you and pretend like I'm like David. And that serving God and living for God is always just filled with joy. And I, I wake up in the morning and poetry is flowing from my mouth when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. And I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. And I wish that could, I could tell you that everything that is required of me in serving God and living for God, when I find out there's something else I have to do, when I find out there's something else I need to give to God, when I find out there's something else I have to give of my life to Him, that when I find out, I just feel like rejoicing. But the reality is, I don't always feel this way. Sometimes I find myself obeying God and serving God more often out of fear sometimes and obligation than because I feel like David, that I love him so much that I can't wait to do what he asks me to do. And uh, uh, oftentimes this is the way we serve God. The psalmist in Psalms chapter 1 said this. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight 
is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The word of God is saying here that there is a mindset and an attitude of a blessed man. And right at the heart of it is his delight is in the law of the Lord. Notice he used the word delight. Anybody ever heard the word delighted? Delighted. Somebody said, I feel like a firefly that backed into a fan. I'm delighted to be here. Delighted. It just is such a huge, fluffy, exciting word. I'm delighted to be here. The Bible says a man who's blessed is one who delights in the law of God. The Bible doesn't say the man that is blessed is the one who obligatorily obeys the, the, the law of God or just kind of brings himself under control and begrudgingly submits to the law of God because he knows it's right. But the man that's blessed who's going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water and has fruit in due season is the man who delights in the law of God. And so I find this problem is that in that sometimes after I've served God for a while, I find myself living for him and serving him and submitting to him out of obligation or because I know it's the thing to do or because I don't want to miss heaven or because I don't want to be wrong with God rather than delighting in the law of God. And I want to tell you that there is a difference in terms of motivation and there is a difference in terms of result when whether you are delighting in the law of God or or begrudgingly submitting to the law of God. Mm, it's at the heart of the issue right now. It's at the heart of the matter there. And I feel like probably this shortcoming or this feeling that I'm talking about today is not, not unique to me. But I think that we all have a tendency at times to serve God and to live for Him for the wrong reasons or with the wrong motivation. It produces a way of looking at living for God like this. Tell me what's required of me, and I'll do it. I'll do it, but I won't like it, but I'll do it. See, the problem is that approach is not love. There is no love behind that mentality. There is no love behind that approach. And when you are trying to serve God out of obligation instead of love, it creates lots of problems. It creates lots of tension and it creates sometimes negative results. We're going to talk today about how you live for God when you're in love with Jesus Christ, because things are different when you're in love. I, I'll say that again. Things are completely different when you are in love. Now, I wonder if, if uh, some of you can remember what it was like when you, when you fell in love. And I, I remember very vividly some 11 to 12 years ago when I met my wife. And uh, it was before that that I met her. But 11 to 12 years ago when we went... Uh, out with a group of people to a restaurant and got to sit by one another and talk. And uh, then a few days after that, I sent her a letter. And then she sent me a response letter. And then I called her on the telephone. And uh, she had a response letter that had like the little envelopes like bills that she sent out to people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then I went up to visit her. Eight hours, as my brother mentioned, to uh, Indiana and uh, met her parents and her family and was introduced to the church family there. And uh, I had had other friendships, relationships, girlfriends, if you want to call them before. But this was the first time that I sincerely felt that I had found the right person that I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with. And uh, very, very quickly... I found myself falling in love with her, to use the euphemism that's so familiar. 
In fact, the first time that we went out that I mentioned that we went out with a group, I came back. We were staying at a convention. I came back to the hotel room where my parents were, and I told my dad, I said, I think I found the person that I want to marry. And he's like, oh, there's no way you can know that already. I said, I, I, think, I think that I, I, I found the right person. And as we increasingly grew in our affection towards one another, being eight and nine hours apart, it was a lot of effort in order to make this relationship work. But guess what? It didn't seem like effort. There was a lot of sacrifice, if you want to call that, to make it work. But it was the easiest and most fun sacrifice I've ever been a part of. I remember driving nine hours each way, so that's 18 hours, just to see her for 15 hours. And all the way up there, all I could think about was getting to see her. And all the way back home, all I could think about was, I can't wait until I get to see her again. See, things are different when you're in love. Things are completely different when you're in love. And when we were dating and I was unsure as to whether I had obtained her affections, I was willing to pay whatever price was necessary to make her feel special. And to have her enjoy the time that she had with me. And our times that we spent together, I would come so excited. Sometimes on a little prop airplane, usually in my little black Mazda MX-6. But when I arrived, I was excited. When I left, I had this mixed feeling of depression. But also uh, uh, that underlying excitement of when I could see her again. And, And so I spent those... 11 months of my life tired because we stayed up late in the night talking on the phone to one another about everything imaginable until we were just talking about things that didn't even make sense. And you know what I'm talking about? Are you still awake? Yeah, I'm still awake. We probably should hang up, huh? Probably. Exactly. I'll let you hang up. No, you hang up. Hey, sweetheart, it's three in the morning. You've got to get up for work in two hours. Don't remind me. So I spent 11 months tired, broke, and distracted. But I loved every minute of it, and I wouldn't have changed a thing because I was in love. Things are different. Mm-hmm. Things are different when you're in love. And, and, and you could uh, apply this principle even beyond romantic love. And uh, because I know some people that will go to great lengths to find a great deal because they love to shop. I don't know. There, maybe some of you know these people that get up the day after Thanksgiving at like 2 in the morning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because... Walmart has a special for the first hundred people that come through the door or for the first two hours in the morning. And these people, you know, make a sacrifice and they're out there, but they're eager and excited and it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice to them. There are times when I'll get out of bed at 530 in the morning and uh, I'll just go ahead and let you in a little bit inside, a little inside info. I don't always get up at 530 in the morning. But sometimes I get up at 5.30 in the morning, and it's still dark outside, and I go get ready, and I maybe have only slept four hours, but I excitedly go out and jump in my car and first check the trunk to make sure my golf clubs and my shoes are in there, and I close it, and I'll go there, and we're sitting there with our golf clubs. I'm not kidding you. At the golf tee, waiting for the sun to come right up over the hill so we can swing the golf clubs. And I would never, ever get up that early in the morning for anything other than something that I loved and was passionate and excited about. See, because things are different when you're in love. Things are different when you have passion about something. Any other situation or deal that I would have to get up at 530 in the morning for, it would be begrudgingly. 
And I would have to grab myself by the back of my head and pull myself out of bed to get up at 530 in the morning. But things are different when you found something that you love. And I, I grew up in an area where people get up at the before the crack of dawn to be in the deer stand before the crack of dawn to sit up there so they could shoot a gun at a deer. Because this is something that they loved. It was not a sacrifice to them. They didn't do it because it was an obligation. But they were doing it because they loved it. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And this expression of love that we see through the Psalms is an expression of a man who was madly in love with his God. And when you read the words of David in the Psalms, you're immediately impressed by his motives in serving and living for God. He's not doing this because he has to. He's not doing this because he just feels a sense of obligation to do so. He's done this because he has fallen in love with his supreme authority with God. And so, in turn, God could trust him with power and with authority. Because God knew that David wouldn't get the power and become too big for his britches and think he didn't need a God anymore. Because David didn't serve God out of obligation and out of fear, but he served him out of love. And our worship that we did today was a beautiful expression of our love to God. When we come to church, uh, our purpose and goal is not just to pump everybody up. uh, And our purpose and goal is not just to have good music and, and feel like, wow, this was an exciting environment. But our purpose and goal when we gather together is to give you an opportunity from your various backgrounds and your various identities that you come from to find a way to voice and put expression to the love that you have in your heart for Jesus Christ. And sometimes we've got to prime the pump a little bit because we've been thinking about all these other things in the world that we love and all these other things that mean a lot to us and all these other things that, things that capture our attention and, and our time. But when we come into the house of the Lord, we say, okay, God, I'm going to give you a couple hours here and I'm going to praise you with all my heart and mind and soul and strength. It's not about going through the form and obligation of worship i've always been very very intrigued or interested in a weird sort of way about uh, churches where you go and just fulfill a routine or an obligation of worship you, okay, now it's time we've got to sing this song. Now we've got to, to do this motion. Now we've got to bow here. Now we've got to do this part here. And you just fulfill the obligation of, of some routine or liturgy that's been handed out. But there's no expression of love to God. Let me tell you what worship is. Worship is when somehow that love for God begins to bubble out. Just like David took quill in hand and began to rewrite his expressions of love. When we come into the house of the Lord and gather together in the sanctuary and begin to praise Him, begin to worship Him, tears sometimes begin to flow. Excitement begins to bubble up in our spirit when we think about the goodness of God and what He's done for you. And so I'm wondering about you today. I was transparent with you. Can you be transparent with me? Has your relationship with God grown stale and robotic? See, the definition of legalism is when you're doing something to fulfill the law. When you're doing something to get right what you're supposed to get right. If you really break it down, when you're doing it out of obligation, you're doing it for you instead of for Him. Let me let that sink in for a minute because I'm pretty sure that went over about 99% of the people's heads because I'm up here and you're down there as far as in this building I'm not talking about I was trying to be funny it didn't come across very funny it came across very arrogant I apologize apologize about that when you are obeying God out of obligation it's legalistic and what you're really doing is the focus is on you instead of him. The focus is on me getting it right instead of showing my love to Jesus because of what he's done for me. Amen. 
And so sometimes our relationship with God becomes very routine, very stale, very robotic. And then the next logical progression is for us to become whiny and resentful and mopey about the things that aren't right in our life. What about my job loss? What about my grandpa's cancer? What about my past and what I had to endure growing up? And what about my messed up family? And, and what about the divorce that I had to go through? What about all these things that happened in my life? And the Bible says uh, that uh, in, in the Word of God that there were people that went through difficult times and trying times, but they said they counted it as light in comparison to what God was going to do for them in glory. Look at Acts chapter 5 uh, and verse number 40. Acts chapter 5. People that were persecuted in the early church. Uh, it says, And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's not the attitude of somebody who's serving God out of obligation. But that's somebody who is so in love with Jesus Christ, that when even the difficulties come and even the trials come into their life, they are yet rejoicing because they realize it's not about me, it's about Him. It's about being right with Him. It's about being close to Him. It's about being in love with Him. And when I see my relationship with God as a chore, when I see my relationship with God as a sacrifice, then I'm the one getting the glory, not him. And it's all about him. Sometimes we look at our living for God and what we have sacrificed and what we've committed to serve God. And we think, well, I'm the one that's giving here. But we are not the givers. We are never the givers. In the book that we mentioned that we're reading from Crazy Love, there's a quote in here by a missionary to Africa who spent his life as a missionary to Africa named David Livingston. And he was a missionary in the 1800s. And here I quote him. He said, people talk of sacrifice of the sacrifice I made in spending so much of my life in Africa. I never made a sacrifice. We ought not to talk of sacrifice when we remember the great sacrifice which he who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. God is the only true giver. He needs nothing from us, but he still desires relationship with us. He gave his life so that we could seek and know him. It's about getting things right and Instead of walking through life with a twisted perspective, thinking that we're giving so much and sacrificing so much and being so noble by serving God, it's time for us to serve Him out of love. Serve Him because He's been good to us. Serve Him because there is so much passion in our heart. Passion in our heart for Him. So you've got to change the focus and the motivation. And instead of serving God because it's the right thing to do, because of serving God because you fear what would happen if you don't, and because of serving God because you feel obligated because of your upbringing, because, instead of serving God for all of these inferior reasons, focus on loving God. If you change your focus to loving God, that doesn't mean you'll be doing less. But it means your motivation will be different. You may do many of the same things, but you will do them out of love instead of out of guilt or the fear of the consequences. See, when we work for God out of obligation, it feels like work. But things are different when you're in love. When we truly love Him, our work is a manifestation of that love, and it feels like love. That's it. That's the crux of the whole message right there. When you're serving God out of obligation, it feels like work. If your relationship with God, if your walk with God, if coming to church and praying and serving God has begun to feel like an obligation, feels like you're having to work, it feels like a strain, then you're probably going at it the wrong way. And you need to refocus yourself and fall in love with Jesus all over again. Because when you're in love with Jesus, you're doing the same things and more, but it doesn't feel like work anymore. It feels like love. Remember what I told you, all those things that I did, falling in love 
love with Tamra, all of those things could have been looked at many people uh, from the outside as a sacrifice, uh, as a commitment, as a, as a huge uh, stretch of my energies and my time and my finances. But it didn't even feel like a sacrifice because I was in love. And some of you are wondering why you're struggling in your walk with God, and why you feel like giving up and why the joy is all gone. I'm telling you, it's because there's a missing element and that element is passion and love for Jesus Christ. And if you get it back, if you get it back, it won't feel like work anymore. It won't feel like a strain anymore. It won't feel like a drudgery anymore. It'll feel like love. I want the passion in my spirit. I want the love in my heart for Jesus Christ so I can serve him with the right motivation. Amazing in uh, chemistry, organic chemistry. In chemistry, you study chemical reactions. And you may say, what do I care about chemical reactions? I'm not a chemist. Well, every time you start your car up and drive it, you are the beneficiary of someone who's learned to harness chemical reactions. Chemical reactions are powerful. They make a difference. And they happen when there is the right alignment of particular, particular uh, um, elements. And there he is inserted the correct element, which called, is called an enzyme or a catalyst, that starts or speeds up the reaction, causes it to happen, causes it to take place. But if that enzyme or catalyst is missing, you can have everything else in place, but the car's not going anywhere. Right? If you don't have a spark plug, you can have all, you can have the most powerful engine, you can have it tanked up with gas, you can have everything just right. But if you don't have that spark, which is the, catalyst, the, the, the catalyst in the, in the uh, uh, chemical reaction that causes the engine to go forward, then you're not going anywhere. If you're missing that one element, that one catalyst that causes it to move forward, and in many uh, chemical reactions like the rusting of a car and, and uh, uh, the chemical reaction that causes air conditioning to work. Anybody thankful for air conditioning today? It's a result of a chemical reaction. There's always that enzyme or that catalyst that causes it to happen. You can have everything else in place, but until that catalyst is inserted, the chemical reaction does not happen. And I'm telling you that I see in, in, in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2 a church that had everything in place but they had lost the catalyst. That missing element was no longer there. And it didn't matter that they were laboring hard. It didn't matter that they had discernment to recognize right and wrong. It didn't matter that they were consistent in their pursuit of working for God. All these things were in place, but God said, you forgot something. You're missing your first love. And if you don't go back and get that first love, I'm going to take your candlestick out of the, your candle out of the candelabra and you're not going to have it anymore. There's not going to be fire there anymore because I want you to ho hopefully you get this. The word of God is wrapped up in this. You can have everything else, but if you don't have love, you won't have anything. <laughs> Paul said it this way, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Amen. Though I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all knowledge and all mysteries, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to be burned, but have not love, I am nothing. Therefore, abideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The, uh, the writer Paul was trying to get the point across to us. You can have everything else. You can have all the entrapments of being apostolic. You can have all the entrapments of being a Christian. You can be doing all the right things. But if you don't have that catalyst, it's worthless, it's useless, and it's valueless. You can do all the right things. Here's the difference maker. Here's the missing element. Here's the enzyme and the catalyst. It's got to be rooted in love. There's got to be love for Jesus. There's got to be passion for Him. If there is no passion, it will perish. God is not pleased when our good works and our righteousness is lacking love. 
when we've got good works but we don't have love, when we're, when we're showing righteousness, that means living right, but it's not motivated by love. Love is the catalyst to the powerful spiritual reaction. And love is going to be at the foundation of the revival that God is sending to our city. When they came to Jesus, I've told you this a hundred times, but listen one more time. They came to Jesus and asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and prophets. All the commandments hang on these two. That means you can try to do everything in, the, in God's law. But if you don't have love for God and love for your neighbor, it's a waste of time. But if you have love for God and love for people, if love is the foundation, if love is the rudimentary, rudimentary thing that is causing you to move forward, then everything is going to work. You take love out of the equation, try to do everything else, it's not going to work. I'm telling you, it's all about love. It's all about crazy love. It's all about being in love with Jesus. And Can you see how frustrating it would be? You look at God's Word and you look at the commandments and you're like, Oh, man. Shoot. This is horrible. You mean I can't do this? I can't do that? You mean I can't go there? I can't cock that attitude I used to cock? I can't act like I used to act? Come on, somebody. And it looks like a big old list of obligations and requirements and commitments and sacrifice. It's a frustrating thing to try to live a life of righteousness without love being the motivating factor. My God. But when God's love is shed abroad in your heart, when God's love is shed abroad in your heart, I gotta be close to him. Whatever it takes, I got if I gotta drive nine hours one way, I gotta be close to him. If I gotta make a sacrifice and a commitment, if it costs me, I wanna be close to him, cause it's a joy. It's a joy. And I can't wait to be in his presence again. I'm telling you, if you get the love in the right place, if you get your motivation in the right place, it's a completely different animal, this living for God thing. Come on, praise him right now if you really, really wanna love him. Why don't we stand together right now? Hallelujah. Some of you, some of us, I'm not going to exclude myself. Because there are times when life distracts. When life captivates, pulls at our priorities and our focus. Tries to give us new passions for things other than our Lord. Particularly for some of you that have been serving God or going to church or saved, however you want to signify that, for quite a while. In other words, you didn't just pray through recently. You will find times in your life when living for God may become a little bit of a drudgery. Maybe you're wondering, where's the joy? That I used to have. What I feel like I'm just having to drag my carcass through life. There's something missing. There's something missing. And I want to tell you in as clear and simple terms as possible. It's real obvious the thing that's missing. It's love. Love. Passion. Love. I love you, Jesus. So what do we do? Maybe you're here today and you're, and you're far away from God because of decisions you've made. Maybe you're here today, you've been coming every week to church and you know how to look the part and act the part. But you feel really far from God. When I said something earlier today about a barrier, it resonated with you because you knew there was a barrier there. Not a barrier to looking like you got everything together. Everybody thinks you got it together. But you know that, there, that, that your relationship with God has become very obligatory. 
that there's no love, that the love is not there. You, you want it to be there. You're like, see, you need to get honest with God right now and say, God, I really want to love you. You've got to help me with this. Because God doesn't mind. He's not going to be turned off by that. No, don't try that with your wife. But God doesn't mind for you to be open and transparent. When you read the Psalms, there are times when David says, I don't understand what you're doing, God. Please give me an answer here. This doesn't make sense. He was a man after God's own heart. He was open and transparent with God. And part of the beauty of our relationship is not that we just speak lovey-dovey to one another all the time. But part of the beauty of our relationship is that we talk about things that are not comfortable. We talk through things that we have to talk through. We talk to each other when we do things that hurt one another. That's what keeps the relationship alive and fresh is that openness and transparency. And some of us have just been pretending like everything's okay. And it's time for us to open up and say, God, I don't understand what what in the world is going on. I want to love you. Can you help me? Can you help me, Jesus? I know I've been lukewarm. I know I've been choosing certain things over you time and time again. Tell the Lord that you want him to change you. Be honest with him. Say, God, help me love you. I miss my time with you. I miss the intimacy. Yeah, I go to church and I clap my hands with everybody else. I'm like, hallelujah. Woo, feels good in church. But I miss that closeness. I miss the intimacy with you, Jesus. And I want that back. Let me tell you. If you if, if you have attempted or are attempting to serve God out of obligation or following the rules let me tell you I've got two things for you as we wrap up number one in order to get God's love back in your life the first thing you need to do is to receive God's gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's the first step the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 it says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts By the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. When you receive God's Holy Spirit, He puts it shed abroad. The love of God shed abroad. That's not just a rhyme. That means He pours His love into our heart. And that's why almost everybody that I've seen receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when they finally put their arms down and stop praying, like, whew. That felt good. First thing they want to do, find somebody to hug. <laughs> they start hugging everybody. Because we used to sing, we used to sing it this way. Give me that old time religion. Makes me want to love everybody. The Bible says the Holy Spirit sheds God's love abroad in your heart. And if you want to live for God and love Him, the first thing you need to do is receive His Holy Spirit. It's real simple. You say, how do I do that? What what is this Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost that the Bible talks about and how do I receive it? The Bible says it this way. Repent of your sins. That means say, God, forgive me for doing my own thing. I want to live for you. It says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That means be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Holy Spirit. But then you look in the book of Acts, and there were people who received the Holy Spirit even before they had a chance to get in the waters and be baptized. It's okay for that to happen, too. In this place today, If you're like, you know what, I've been struggling. I can't figure out why I don't have love for God like I want to have. I mean, when I sit back and say, yeah, yeah, obviously I love God. But but when I'm real, I realize there's so many other things that have my passion. I want God's love. You can receive His Spirit today. And what happens? It's beautiful. I mean, it is so awesome. When somebody receives the Holy Ghost, I've seen them sitting down receive it. I've seen them standing up receive it. I've seen them kneeling down receive it. But everybody, whether they're standing, kneeling, laying down on their face, on their back, every one of them has the same thing that happens. They begin to speak in a language that they did not learn before as the Spirit gives them the utterance. This is the sign, the initial evidence that someone's been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And it's a beautiful experience. And when you get up from that, you will feel sloppy love for everybody. Amen? 
Amen. It doesn't even make sense. You even love ugly people, man. You'd be one to hug everybody because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you can't wait to get back to a place of prayer. You can't wait to get back to the church service. You feel like the worship services are too short. You say, preacher, why don't they have more church services? You know why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad. You can't force it. You can't make it happen. But when God gives you the Holy Ghost, He pours His love into your heart. Hallelujah. So if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, today is your day to receive that experience. In just a moment, we're going to push back this first row of chairs. We're going to invite everyone to come forward to love Jesus. But secondly, before we do, I want to talk to those of you who have already experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you have experienced what I talked about at the beginning of the message, that it's kind of grown a little bit mundane. You're kind of doing it out of obligation. And you realize that something's missing. You're like, what do I do, preacher? Let me explain it this way. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Did you know love is number one, the fruit of the Spirit? That the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the Bible also said, we read earlier, it said, He that delights in the law of God shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who gives forth his fruit. John chapter 15, Jesus Christ talks about bearing fruit. And he says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bring forth much fruit. Abiding in Jesus Christ is the key to producing fruit. That means you get love for Jesus by praying to Jesus and asking him for it. Did you know that? Guess what? The first thing you need to do if you're struggling with a dried up, mundane struggle relationship with God is you need to be here on Monday night at 8 o'clock when God's people get together and, and all around this place, they just kneel down they begin to pray. There's nobody running the event, nobody telling what the people what to do next. It's just abiding in Jesus Christ. You need to get your little prayer closet, that place where you used to talk to Jesus, begin to talk to Him again. Because if you get reconnected to Jesus, I didn't say get reconnected with your pastor. I didn't say get reconnected with your church. I said reconnected with Jesus Christ. Then fruit will begin to be born in your life. That means love will begin to show up that wasn't there anymore. And when you're struggling with hatred, when you're struggling with enmity and strife and all these negative things, love will replace it by connecting. There's no other way to do it. You can't read the right book. You can't force it. You can't make it happen. You just abide in Jesus Christ. Get plugged into Him. And that fruit and that love will begin to show up in your life again. How many love Him? I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder what this church would be like. I wonder what this church would be like if all of us were returned to our first love, to that passion for Jesus, to that connection with Him that's so special and so right. I want us to talk to them together as a church body right now. Could you just kind of slip out of where you are, whether you're a guest with us today or whether you're a member of our church body. Each and every one of you, we invite you to the front right now for just a few moments because we're going to pray together. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I love you. Come on. That's it. Beautiful. Hallelujah. Come on, body of Christ. Come on, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Close our eyes just for a second. Hallelujah. Amen. If you feel the words might apply to you as they apply to me, I want you to repeat them after me. Jesus, I've got to admit I've been lukewarm. Jesus, as I look at my life, I realize I've chosen certain things over you. 
Lord, and I didn't just do it once, but I've done it time and time again. But Jesus, I can't change this by myself. I can't just force my will to change it. But Jesus, I need you to change me. Lord, I want your love to be shed in my life. I want the fruit of the Spirit, the love to burst forth from me. Because Jesus, I love you more than anything on this planet. I want to enjoy true satisfaction in my relationship with you. I want to enjoy the pleasure, Lord God, that you promised in my relationship and the joy in my relationship. I want to treasure the kingdom of God so much that I would sell gladly and with joy anything to obtain your kingdom. Let your love be shed in my life. Let that love pour over me so that I love you more than anything. With all my heart, mind, and soul, and strength, I love you. Jesus, let me love my neighbor as myself. Let love, Lord Jesus, be poured into my life today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now lift up your hands and begin to talk to Him with your own words now. Let's take a few moments and let's talk to Jesus. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. Just close your eyes and talk to him. He can hear you right now. Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I want to fall in love with you all over again, Jesus. Take me back, Lord God, to that place. I love you, Jesus. I want to restore that first love, that passion, Jesus, for you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. someone right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let that love for Jesus. You'll find out that it turns into love for people. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to see my brother saved. I want to see somebody else plugged into the power of God. Let the love flow through your vessel right now. Pray for one another. 
Lord Jesus, I pray let your love fill this place right now, Lord. Rather than just feeling this environment, I pray that you begin to pour your love into hearts. Let your love be shed abroad, Lord God, into hearts to change people. Change people's motivation, change their approach, change their outlook on life. Jesus, I love you, Lord God. I want to love you, Jesus. I don't want to just serve you because I know it's the right thing to do, but I want to serve you out of pure love, Lord God. Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost here right now. for a minute right now if you're filled with the spirit just get into the holy spirit right now and begin to pray in the spirit hallelujah just pray in the spirit for a few minutes let the love of god be shed abroad in your heart Shut 
today I want to share with you what I think the, the Word of God makes clear is in the New Testament church how we show love to God obviously we know that through worship and through serving him through doing his his work that he's called us to do feeding his sheep that we do show love to him but the Bible makes it really clear in the New Testament that how we in a practical way put our love for God into action is by turning that love towards someone else, towards people, really, really loving people. And when we're loving people, we're showing love to God. The Bible says, if you give a cup of water to someone in the name of the Lord, you've done it unto Jesus. When you show kindness to someone, when you show concern, when you reach out to a person, Maybe somebody that's not very lovable. Maybe somebody that everybody else has turned their back on. When you reach out and show love to them, you're actually expressing love to God as well. Amen? You're expressing love to God as well. Hallelujah. And this week, when you get into your life group, you're going to be talking about practical examples of really being in love and letting love being the motivating or leading factor in, in your life. So I encourage you to be a part of that, to be involved in that. But before you leave here today, before you leave here today, the Bible says this is how people are going to know that you're disciples of Jesus Christ. Because your love for one another is going to be so overwhelming that it's going to make them curious. That's basically what the Bible's saying. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because of the love you have one for another. That means the love that you have for your brothers and sisters in Christ is going to be so compelling. Hey, guess what? Check them out. They're not from the same background. They're different colors. But they love each other so much. There is something there that I've got to find out about. It's the missing element from my life. Your witness flows out of your love that you have for your brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. So one more time before we leave, we're going to take a couple moments and just love Jesus. And then we're going to take a couple moments and you're going to love your brothers. Brothers, love your brothers. Sisters, love your sisters. As appropriate, show the love of Jesus to one another. Lord Jesus, right now, we lift up our hands to love you first of all. I love you with everything inside of me. And I want your love to be in my heart and in my life, Jesus. I don't want to serve you out of pride or arrogance like the Pharisees did. But I want to serve you out of love, Lord Jesus, because I love you so much. I love you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, to love everybody, Jesus. To love people, Lord God, and show kindness and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name hallelujah so put it into practice amen if you want to keep praying you're welcome to do that put it into practice find somebody and 
share the love of Jesus by showing concern and genuineness to them and just love them. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. Amen. Just love one another. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, encourage one another. If you want a practical way to show love, see Brother Rick after service. He'll get you plugged in and picking up Starbucks and helping other people. Thank you. 